Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our ministry when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew 8, verses 1 through 17, called The King That Carries Our Burdens. Now you can have great faith And it doesn't mean that everything's going to happen, but the Lord does still honor faith and he wants us to be people of faith. And so he honors the centurion. And he says, I say to you, now turning to the crowd, that many shall come from east and west, probably Gentile nations here around Israel, and recline at the table. This is the messianic banquet. You can fast forward to the marriage supper of the lamb, if you will. And they will sit with Abraham, Here's the patriarchs of the nation. And Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom, that would be the people of God, Israel, shall be cast out into outer darkness. In that place there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, in, if you were a scribe or a Pharisee, and there were some of the religious elite that did follow Jesus, but if you were responsible on the Sanhedrin for getting him crucified and you rejected him despite the miracles and everything that you knew about him. Here's what Jesus said. He said, there's going to be a great reversal on that day. The Jews used to say that outer darkness and gnashing of teeth was reserved for non-Jewish Gentile people and the outcasts. They're the ones that will be in outer darkness, never the people of God. If I got the birth certificate, if I've got the pedigree, I'm going to heaven. I'm going to be in paradise. And Jesus says, no, you're not. Unless you repent of your sin, you will not be in the kingdom of God. Yesterday we had a men's conference and we had a big strapping uncle of Sherman. Uh, and, and he came down from a place called Winslow, Arizona. Yes, it was in an eagle song. Not such a godly song, but you know, there you go. And so he said that he had been pushing God away and he had become a police chief for some 17 years and He was an athlete, 6'4", big old strapping guy, and he said that he had come to the end of himself. And he was on a cruise ship, and he went out on the deck at night. He was the only one out there. He looked down at the water, and he was ready to jump and commit suicide. And he said these words. He said, if I jump right now, nobody will care. This is what the enemy does to our minds. Nobody will miss me. It'll be over. He said he looked down into the the darkness of the ocean at night. You know how it can be. And he said the Lord spoke to him at that very moment. And he said, if you jump right now, that is your eternity. Look down. Take a good look at that water. See the blackness there? You see the, the scariness of the water? That's your eternity if you jump right now. Well, he went on to say that he gave his life to the Lord He's now a pastor today telling other people about the hope of Christ. Amen? Amen. What a beautiful, powerful testimony. Look, you can come to the end of yourself, but it doesn't mean that it's over. Maybe that can be a new beginning for you. Jesus warns that it's not pedigree that gets you into the kingdom. Everybody who believes in Jesus becomes a son of Abraham by faith, right? We know Romans 4, Galatians 3 teach that. So you get grafted into the covenant, if you will. In this case, the new covenant by the blood of Jesus. 
And so Jesus gives the warning and then he says to the centurion, go your way, let it be done to you as you have believed, middle of 13, and the servant was healed that very hour. The ESV says that very moment. You can imagine the joy that happened in that Gentile household. It's, it's amazing how the branches of Jesus's touch and word affect so many people. I'm sure they told the story and rejoiced for the rest of their lives. The touch, the power of God. Now, when Jesus had come to Peter's home, Peter had a home in Capernaum. He was in the fishing business with his brother. He saw, Jesus saw his mother-in-law lying sick in bed with a fever. This is the third healing, the leper, the centurion's servant, and now Peter's mother-in-law. Uh, Peter was married. That's how you get a mother-in-law, just in case you <laughs> were wondering about that. Let me just say in passing to our Roman Catholic friends who argue that Peter was the first pope and teach that celibacy is what popes have to practice. Well, that's not true of Peter. Peter was married. He had a wife. If you want to write down a cross reference, write down 1 Corinthians 9, verse 5. Peter was married. Uh, This tells us something about the life of an apostle, that Peter sometimes brought his wife along, and uh, they had some home life still going on, even though they were on mission with the Messiah. And uh, I'll let you kind of work that out on your own. I say this with all due respect to our Roman Catholic friends that um, sometimes the church I grew up in, I was Italian Roman Catholic growing up, has some traditions that are really not anchored in biblical revelation. I don't say it with any disrespect. I just say it that here it is, right? So if the church teaches something that's a tradition that doesn't go with scripture, guess where I'm gonna go? I'm gonna go with the scriptures. So Jesus comes into Peter's house, which was in Capernaum, and there's the mother-in-law lying sick. Luke tells us she had a high fever and that she was suffering and that the apostles pointed it out to Jesus. So sometimes when we piece together gospel accounts, we get different views of a situation. Matthew's story is probably a little bit more truncated or shorter And so Jesus sees her and he touched her hand and the fever left her. In some Jewish traditions, touching a woman, even a woman's hand like Jesus did here, would make you unclean or unholy. According to the Jewish halakha, it forbade touching persons with many kinds of fevers as well. And a religious prayer that Jewish men said each day, something like this, Lord, I thank you that I was not born a slave, a Gentile, or a woman. I don't know if they capped it in Jesus' name. I don't think they did. (laughs) They didn't believe in, in Jesus. Do you see what Jesus is doing? They might have added, I thank you that I'm not a leper. I thank you that I'm not a Gentile. I thank you that I'm not a slave. I thank you that I'm not a woman. And in every category that they put down, Jesus does what? He reaches out to those people. Why? Because he's saying to the religious elite of the day, you've got it wrong. Your hearts are wrong. This is not God's heart. And so the Lord reaches out happily to outcasts. Praise the Lord. It's good to sing praises to our God. It's pleasant. Praise is becoming. The Lord, Psalm 147, verse 3, heals the brokenhearted. He binds up their wounds He counts the number of the stars. He gives names to them all. Great is our Lord, abundant in strength. 
His understanding is infinite. You could read Psalm 147, one through five. He builds up Jerusalem, verse two. He gathers the outcasts of Israel. See, the Lord has a heart for outcasts. And no matter what the society says, the church needs to have a heart along the same lines, amen? Amen. If we get too stuffy, if we get too religious, if we don't keep our hearts open to outcasts, among, I will count myself among the outcasts, then we have lost sense of our mission. Now we know that God expects things of us, right? We know that he accepts us or he loves us right where we are, but he, he's in the changing business. He's not gonna excuse our sin. But he loves people who are on the fringes, people who may be dismissed by others. And we've gotta be aware of that. Three beautiful accounts the leper, the centurion's servant, Peter's mother-in-law, all kind of crossing boundaries to, I think, confront some of the hypocrisy in the nation. And when evening had come, they brought to him many. This probably happened because it was a Sabbath day and many people were waiting to travel and they were trying to honor the law. When evening had come, when the sunset, that was the beginning of a new day in the Jewish mind, they brought to Jesus many, notice, who were demon-possessed, And he cast out the spirits with the word and healed all who were ill. Mark paints the picture that the whole city was at Peter's door. Can you imagine? Peter had to be thinking, come on, I'm on a graham crackers. Give me a break, right? And people were lined up and it seems like deep into the night, one after the other, after the other, he touched and healed. Come out of him, he delivered a person from demonic possession. He would touch, he would heal, he would touch, he would heal. And into the night, and I'm sure the apostles were watching the compassions of God and thinking, wow, look at him. There's no one faceless to him. He cares about every uh, heart that comes to him. R. Kent Hughes paints it beautifully. He says, the evening approached, as the evening approached, an unmistakable air of anticipation settled over Capernaum. For with the conclusion of Sabbath, the ill and deranged could be carried to Jesus. A delectable tenseness blanketed the town and the countryside as they waited for nightfall. The law said the Sabbath ended when the three stars, when three stars came out in the night sky. And so when the sun had set and the stars were blinking clearly above, the people came and they came and they came and he touched and he healed and he touched and this all happened, final verse, in order that was, was spoken through Isaiah the prophet might be fulfilled, saying, he himself, the Messiah, this is the fourth servant song written 700 plus years before Jesus was ever born. Matthew says, he himself took our infirmities, and this is close to the Hebrew here in Isaiah 53, quoting 53, 4. He took our infirmities and carried away our diseases. Now, the understanding of Isaiah 53, if you've ever spoken to a Jewish friend, you may have used Isaiah 53 to make an argument for the atonement of Christ as being the Messiah. Amen. How many of you have done that before with Isaiah 53? And and you know that Peter quotes Isaiah 53 and says, by Christ's wounds, we are healed. 1 Peter 2.24 And there, Peter's talking about the healing of our souls. He's talking about salvation. 
The ultimate healing that we need is the healing of the soul. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Would you please consider supporting Walk in Truth being on this radio station and podcast for at least $5 a month? As a thank you, we'll send you more content from Pastor Michael and the Walk in Truth team through our new Walk in Truth app. You will have quick access to our daily episodes. You can watch videos of Pastor Michael's most recent Sunday sermons and access to our bonus podcast and video series, A Step Closer. All this and more is available to you on our new Walk in Truth app as a thank you for your financial gift. Please become a financial partner of at least $5 a month. Visit walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. 1 Peter 2.24, and there Peter's talking about the healing of our souls. He's talking about salvation. The ultimate healing that we need is the healing of the soul. But in Isaiah 53, in Matthew's reckoning of this, he applies it more holistically, if you will, applying it not only to salvation, as Peter does, but to physical healing. What are we to make of that? Let me paint a picture just briefly for you. In some, what I would call hyper-Pentecostal circles, you'll hear people say something like this. Healing is guaranteed in the atonement. And they'll say that when Christ died on the cross, not only did he die for your sins, but he died for your diseases and sicknesses. And healing is guaranteed in his death and resurrection. Therefore, whenever you pray with enough faith, you're gonna be healed 100% of the time. Just like you would be healed If you call upon the name of the Lord for salvation, well, you'll be healed if you call upon the name of the Lord for sickness. And this is their view. And they will even say, and perhaps some of them well-meaning will say something like this. They'll come to someone who's sick, suffering for a long time. Maybe multiple people have prayed for them and they'll say, you know, if you only had enough faith, you'd be healed. Healing is guaranteed in the atonement. And I will say that's not only false, but that lacks compassion. If you take careful note of the flow of the verse in the context, Matthew is not saying that Isaiah 53, 4 was fulfilled in the death and resurrection of Christ. He says that Isaiah 53, 4 was fulfilled in the healing ministry of Jesus as he moved around Capernaum and Galilee, down into Jerusalem, as he went around doing good, Acts 10, 38, Isaiah 53, 4 was fulfilled. Everybody with me? Not at the cross, but at the healing ministry of Jesus. As he touched people, delivered them from demonic possession, delivered them from illness and sickness, opened the eyes of the blind, unstuffed the ears of the deaf, etc. Isaiah 53, 4 was fulfilled in the healing ministry of Jesus. The further fulfillment that he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement for our peace fell upon him, and by his wounds we are healed is salvation at the cross and the resurrection. That's the atonement. That's the healing guaranteed in the atonement, the healing of our souls, not the healing of our bodies. That was fulfilled in the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ. Now here's why this is important. 
Because when we pray for somebody, God may heal them. I, I could share with you multiple firsthand accounts where I know someone was prayed over and healed. And I praise the Lord for every one of those. And I thank God for times that maybe he's healed my body and I didn't even know it. I believe the Lord can and does heal. But I do not believe that everybody that you pray for is going to be healed. I believe it's ultimately under the sovereign canopy of God. I do believe he honors faith. And I believe that's important. But ultimately, we're all going to die of our last disease. Some of you say, no, I'm dying of natural causes. Okay, maybe a few of you will. But you're still going to die. <laughs> you're, saying, you're like, Pastor Michael, bummer. Well, you, know, you guys know this is reality. And let me just say that there's three things you need to have in your theological pocket. You have to have a theology of healing, a theology of suffering, and a theology of death because we're going to encounter all three. Paul had a thorn in his flesh, was suffering, asked the Lord to remove it three times. The Lord said, no, my grace is sufficient for you. Timothy had frequent stomach ailments, and Paul told Timothy, take a little wine for your stomach, for your frequent stomach ailments. Why didn't Paul just say, you're healed? Surely Paul had the gift of healing, right? He wrote about the gifts in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. How could he leave somebody sick? In 2 Timothy 4.20, if you're taking notes, he left Trophimus sick at a certain city. Why didn't Paul heal Trophimus? Because healing is not guaranteed. It's still under God's sovereignty. And sometimes people suffer according to the will of God. Why? I don't know. But Job suffered. Paul suffered. Timothy suffered. And Jesus suffered. And if Jesus suffered then do I think I'm going to be, you know, kept from all suffering in this world? No, we're in a broken world. And sometimes the Lord does graciously heal, and other times he allows suffering. And I wish I could fill in all the, the blanks for you, because I have questions of my own. Like, Lord, why? I don't understand. I don't know why. I know some of you right now, you have a loved one suffering. Maybe you are suffering. You know, as I get older, when I get together with people about my age, you know what we talk about? Hip, replace, hip replacements, <laughs> knee problems. You say something like this, do you ever get a pain? <laughs> and somebody responds, that's the only place it doesn't hurt. Come on. That was Indiana Jones for you. Anyways, here's my point. We are denying reality, and I believe that we're de denying biblical truth if we have a false view of healing. We have to have a balanced view of healing. And when we pray, let's pray in faith and know, Lord, I believe you can. I don't know if this is your perfect will right now like the leper, but, but if it is, please heal this person. And I'm gonna keep on praying. But I, I think having that balance is very important. And if someone gets that wrong, I think, one, they might be confused on their theology, and two, they may lack compassion. And I would be careful in making blanket statements to people because the Lord may put you on your back to teach you a lesson. <laughs> so I know people mean well, and sometimes they don't quite understand but we got to be careful that we don't, we don't start making blanket statements because it's easy to make statements when you're not the one going through it. 
and to make judgments about people's faith or lack thereof. I'm just saying as a church, we really need the wisdom of God as we approach these things. We're going to have a moment of communion. Just bow your hearts with me for one moment. Thank you, Father, for this text before us. And one of the main takeaways we see here is Jesus' compassion, the compassion of the king, our burden-bearing God. And I thank you that you entered into our pain some 2,000 years ago, and you healed because I believe you're full of compassion. I believe you healed as signs and symbols, but I think you also healed because you love and you wanted to relieve people's burdens. And I thank you for who you are. And the biggest burden we carry, Lord, the reason we get sick is because of sin. The reason we die is because of sin. And I pray that you would be delivering those who can hear my voice right now from the ultimate virus, which is the sin virus, and the healing is available. All we've got to do is call upon the name of the Lord. Would you just take a moment? If you're not sure you're a Christian, you're not sure that you follow the king, repent of your sin and trust what Jesus did for you. He died on the cross, treated as if he had committed all of your sins, my sins. He suffered. He defeated death. He rose from the dead. And he is asking you right now to place your faith in him. You don't have to know everything, but you just need to know his love for you and trust him and he'll, he'll start doing the work in your life. If you need to rededicate your life, this would be a beautiful time to do so. Ask him to save you. You don't have to have perfect words. Ask him to restore you, to get you back in the game if you've been on the sidelines. And pray that in Jesus' name. You've been listening to The King That Carries Our Burdens, Part 3, on Walk in Truth. And that was the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through 17. If you missed any part of today's program, Walk in Truth is on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and more podcast apps. Listen for free to Pastor Michael's teachings in more books of the Bible. Now, we have pastors on staff that would love to speak with you if you need prayer or counsel. Or perhaps you have questions about Jesus and the Christian faith. Call Walk in Truth Tuesdays through Fridays during daytime hours at 844-48-TRUTH. That's 844-48-TRUTH. 844-48-TRUTH. Now here's Pastor Michael one more time before we go. Well, that's just a good thing to think about. The king carries our burdens. Who would want to carry your burdens? What would their motive be? except love. And so this burden-bearing king is the God of love. He's also the God of truth and justice, yes, but he's the God of love. That's why he wants to carry what's too heavy for you. Have you given him the burden of your sin? You know, that's what Jesus carried at the cross. That's why he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's why Paul says, he who knew no sin became sin. The biggest burden he came to carry is our sin, and he paid for it in full at the cross. And he was raised for our justification, and this is the good news of the gospel. And if the gospel is new to you, let me just say that it's all about Jesus. Jesus is the good news. He was born on that Bethlehem night that we just celebrated. He grew. He lived a perfect life. He fulfilled the law we we learned in Matthew 5. And then he went to a cross innocent, 
He fulfilled the imagery of the sacrificial lamb and laid down his life for us. He defeated death as he said he would through the resurrection, and he is at the right hand of the Father, interceding for all who call upon his name. If you've never met Jesus as your Lord and Savior, he is literally a prayer away, but he's going to ask you to repent of your sin and receive him as your king. And to make him your king is really synonymous with calling him Lord. If you're going to make Jesus your Lord, yes, it's a free gift. He saves by grace through faith, but he also wants your allegiance. He wants you to follow him. 2024 would be a wonderful year for you to say, I am going to follow Jesus. No turning back. Trust him as your savior. Follow him as your Lord, and he will take care of the rest. And so that's what this is all about. Well, we're going to move into Jesus being the king over the storm. As we go through storms in this life, of course, they can be burdens as well. And we're going to learn more about Jesus being the king over the storm. We'll join you right here, Lord willing, tomorrow. Join us here, and we'll see you then. We appreciate our Walk in Truth financial partners. You contribute to our ministry, broadcast, and podcast. As a thank you for your support, we've created the Walk in Truth app. you got to check it out. It's available in your app store. If you'd like to become a Walk in Truth partner, any amount is appreciated. You can now give on the Walk in Truth app or visit walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael's teaching in Matthew chapter 8, 18 through 27, called King Over the Storm. I'm Mike Massaro. On behalf of Pastor Michael Lance and Living Truth Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.